We're going to turn back a little while, for a little while this evening to uh, the passage that was read uh, earlier uh, for us in Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 17, um, and uh, really particularly uh, we're going to look at the section uh, from verse 7 uh, onwards. We will kind of broaden it a little bit, but um, uh, really looking at that section which says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. So that's really the image that I want to uh, leave with you this evening. I hope uh, that's one that you can uh, uh, burn into your consciousness and into your minds. It's a great image, a really helpful image. This morning, I guess, we looked at following Jesus uh, as part of the theme uh, of uh, the early ministry of Jesus. And I guess tonight, we're really, what we're really doing is uh, looking at what, what that looks like. I mean, you know, how, how do we carry on? How do we maintain that relationship with Jesus and uh, uh, grow as Christians, because it is difficult. The Christian walk is, is a tough walk for us, and uh, uh, we know that we battle uh, with things on the outside and also battle with things on the inside. So it's really about our, our identity, you know, fusing and fixing our identity in Jesus and uh, what that means. Uh, it's so easy for us uh, in our lives to fix our identity uh, on on, on our profile, I guess, um, uh, whether uh, how we f- what we f- we think we're like, maybe in the workplace, we've got a specific identity for that, and or maybe what we think of ourselves in in church, uh, we might have might feel we've got a different kind of identity uh, for that, and and much of it, uh, with the best will in the world, is based on the outward. Uh, the, uh, what we what we. Um, uh, present to others and what we're like on the outside, as it were. And of course, that's, that's significant, but it, it mustn't be central to us because what I think what the passage here really is reminding us that it, Jesus Christ, God in our lives, is much more interested in what we're like as characters, what we're like in our hearts, from the inside out, as it were. Um, and that's the, the, key, the key reality that the Bible always picks on uh, in verse 9, we've got just kind of thrown in. It doesn't seem to really be that uh, linked to everything round about it. You've just got that verse. It's, it's like God just throws it in because he reminds us what, what, what we're like. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? That, that's where this trouble lies. And he throws in this grenade, this, this bomb, that, reminding us that it's all about the heart. It's all about what we are on the inside. And it's all about dealing with that. It's the key to our peace. It's the key to our relationship with God. It's our key to uh, wholeness and, and, and um, uh, healing and health for us. And we know that that was really what the Old Testament people to whom this was originally written uh, um, were kind of wandering from that and uh, had moved away from entrusting their lives and their hearts uh, to the living God. Um, God was ceasing to matter to them uh, in their hearts and in their lives. They were much more concerned with, with the circumstances of, of the nations around them, the political intrigue, and, and also where they were going to get their, uh, 
their protection from and, and uh, how they could live in a way that was uh, kind of uh, symbiotic with the, the, the nations round about them and, and they were attracted to the idolatry uh, around them. God was becoming insignificant. They were, they were pushing God out of their lives and of their nation and they were moving far from him. Uh, they were to be exiled and because of that they were, they were going to be exiled from him. And, and God is speaking to them through Jeremiah the prophet and reminding them of the danger and the, uh, uh, the peril of their position uh, before him and uh, the judgment that they will be under uh, if they remain far from him. And as, as, as he does so, he gives us this beautiful picture of what it means to trust in God. It's absolutely transferable from the Middle Near East to the middle of Scotland and Dundee, if it's sort of roughly, kind of the middle of Scotland. Um, but it is, a, it is, I think it's a, the great thing about so many of the Bible examples, even if we're not uh, got green fingers or if we're not that good with nature and all that thing, we can, we can all understand a tree planted by a stream. It's a great picture and it's easy for us to, to visualize and take away. And he's telling us about himself in it, and he's also telling us about ourselves. And he's giving us just a very nice, easy, good thing to look at on a Sunday night. It's not going to tax your uh, brains too much on a Sunday night, which I'm sure you'll be, you'll be glad about. Uh, but yet it, it can be deep um, and uh, meaningful uh, as we think about uh, who he is uh, and profound uh, simple truths are often profound and we must remember that uh, and it's a, a great uh, reality for us so we've got this picture uh, of uh, the, the relationship he wants with, between himself and his people and uh, in this picture he's the, he's the living water he's the stream uh, you know at the end of the passage that was read uh, verse 13 it says those who turn away from him will be written in the dust because they've forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. So there's that link between uh, the picture and the image of the water and a God uh, who is uh, Lord and master of our lives. And that's it's a great picture and it's one that's used quite a lot, isn't it, in the Bible. It's used in the Old Testament and it's used in the New Testament as a picture of God. And that is because water is very, very important and significant. It's a vital source of life. And it's used in the Bible to image uh, spiritual life and spiritual health and spiritual vitality. Uh, and it's, that's, it's a good picture for us. It's a good picture for us biologically because over 60% of our body uh, is, is made up of water. And it's life's great and vi- physically, life's great and vital ingredient. No water, no life. It's as simple as that. Uh, I, I think we often take that for granted in a society where we can just turn on the taps and where we let water go down the drain all the time and it's, it's easy and accessible for us. And we probably, uh, in the West, here don't value it quite as much uh, as we should. It just runs so freely. It's cheap and plentiful. Maybe if it was much more scarce, we would think about it more and we would value it more than milk or Coke or uh, iron brew. Oh, I don't know if we could value it more than iron brew. No, so, yeah, we could. Um, 
but it is really a matter of life and death, isn't it? Water. We need water uh, in our lives. And God is just, I think, reminding us of that reality spiritually for us that uh, he, is, he is our source of life. Uh, being a doctorate in theology is, is not the source of life. Having a deep insight of the orthodox truths of Christ, however significant and important, it, these in and of themselves are not in what we trust. God is the source of our life. The relationship we have with God through Jesus Christ is what gives us spiritual life. He's the wellspring of our spiritual life. He is the one who nourishes us, who uh, enables us to be active, who is powerful, mysterious, gentle, sweet, and satisfying to us in our Christian lives. You know, we have that picture of Jesus sitting with the, or not the picture, but the, 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 the account of Jesus sitting with the woman, the well, the, uh, the Samaritan woman, and he talks about the water that will well up from within into, oh, give me that water, she says, so I'll not need to come, keep coming back to the well. She didn't quite, she didn't understand it initially, uh, what he was saying, but it was a, a great thought that she could have something that would keep her from needing to uh, constantly be nourished in, in a physical way, and yet he was speaking of spiritual truth. And then in John 7, slightly later on in that gospel, uh, the last great day of the feast, it's a great, it's a great uh, verse that, on the last and great day of the feast, uh, Jesus gets up and uh, talks about him being uh, the living water and offering himself uh, to those who will trust in him. And that, uh, he then goes on to speak about that been a picture of the Holy Spirit, the life of God welling up in the believer uh, in power and in life. And so he, he's really just reminding us this evening that um, uh, outside of Jesus and relationship with Jesus, there isn't any spiritual life. There is, if we're unconnected to Jesus, if we're not slaking our spiritual thirst at the foot of the cross and in relationship with Jesus Christ and all that's involved in that, then we don't have life. He is the source. He is the key. It, it's relational, our walk with Jesus Christ. It's not a philosophy of life, uh, and it's not simply uh, a set of uh, intellectual beliefs to which we assent. It's not less than that, but it's certainly much, much more than that. And we need to be uh, recognizing what Jesus is saying here. Because as we do so, uh, we recognize uh, the walk, the life of blessing. Uh, blessed, he says in verse 7, is the man, the person who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him, or who trusts in the Lord and uh, whose trust is in him. The same word is used twice. Uh, in the ESV, it's used, the word trust is used twice. And he's just emphasizing that. that, that that's where the blessing comes from. It comes from uh, trusting in the Lord. And uh, that's what we recognize. I'll, I'll come to look at that in a moment. Um, but this blessing that he speaks of is, a, is abundantly. The blessing scripture, that word blessing, it's a great word and it, it's kind of bigger than happiness. Uh, although it involves that. It's, it's, it's God's settled favor on us. It's his shalom, as it were, his peace. It, it describes what it means to be a complete person, 
the kind of person we were created to be, to be fully human. And lots of talk about what it means to be fully human in the society in which we live. But this is what God reveals as our creator. When you are fully yourself, when you can't be any more the person God made you to be, is when you're in a blessed relationship with him. Um, And that's the place to be. Very often we are looking for that contentment and satisfaction and nourishment in lots of different areas. We're all tempted to do that. Whether it's with friends or with lovers or with family or in career or in wealth or, did I say it, politics, probably if that's where your hope lies, you're currently in deep trouble. Um, But in a cause, we can find the desire for purpose and meaning and uh, satisfaction and nourishment in all of these things, but they are unable to deliver for us. They're unable to deliver for us because Christ is the one who says he delivers that blessing that nothing else can give to us. It's a great line at the end of, it's not actually a Johnny Cash song, but it's a song that John Cash made famous. It's a song by Nine Inch Nails, Hurt, which kind of, it was recorded and came out just after, or just before Johnny Cash died, so it became very famous. And he says, what have I become, my sweetest friend? Everyone I know goes away in the end. There's that sense in which nothing, everything he looked to, everything he put, everything he hoped for, just dissolves and goes away and then and doesn't bring the nourishment and satisfaction and the, the peace and the abundance that he's looking for. Uh, and that's so often true of many people in life. And if you can dig into that in people's lives, that's a great way to introduce the gospel. The, the nourishment, ask the question about satisfaction, about meaning and significance. Anyway, I'll move on. It's, it's a life of blessing and in relationship in a loving relationship with our Redeemer and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if, we are, he, if he's the water, then obviously we are the tree. Uh, and, and that's the picture that he has. This life of blessing, this life of nourishment and completeness and satisfaction is uh, being like a tree, verse 8, planted by the water that sends its roots out by the stream. So there's this great emphasis on being planted been, been trusting in the Lord. You know, that, that's what I'm trusting in the Lord. Um, having confidence in Jesus Christ, relying on him is this picture of being planted. It's a fixed mindset. You know, Luther said at that point, that great point, uh, when he made this declaration in 95, this is where I stand. I can do no other. Peter, to whom can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. You know, it's this declared and fixed uh, trust, secure trust. I, um, and a tree is a good example of that, it's kind of fixed and secure. I, I grew up in Edinburgh and grew up in, in a manse and my dad was the minister in the church that I'm now in, uh, in Edinburgh. And, but the manse is a different one. I'm not in the same one now. But it was a big old house then uh, and it was a big old freezing cold house. Um, but it was a great place, Forbes Road. Uh, and it had big garden and big trees in the garden, big old trees that used to climb and fall out of and get the hard, useless pears that were on them and throw them at the neighbors. Uh, uh, that was just my dad, though. Um, I, but I, 
not but a couple of two or three years ago, my, my two sisters also live in Edinburgh, and I've got another brother, but he doesn't. But we did, we asked when we asked if we could go back. It's now a nursery. It's been a nursery ever since it was sold from the, the church sold it, and my folks moved in a different house. And but we asked, would, would you mind if we had a look around this house? We'd love to. We were all we all grew up in it. Uh, and uh, so we went back, and it hadn't changed that a great deal. Everything looked much smaller. Did you just say that? that? Things look smaller when you grow up. But we went into the garden, and the garden looked much smaller. It seemed like a massive garden when I was growing up, much smaller. But there were still the same trees in the same place. I was so tempted to climb them. But they, they were unchanging. They were rooted. They were fixed in that same place. And you can see that sometimes in photographs, old photographs, and then modern photographs, and lots has changed, but maybe the tree is still there in the same place. And there's this, this reality that for us, that Christ in our lives, if you're young, you know, make that absolutely, that conviction that Christ is, is my Savior, and this is, whatever happens, he's going to be the foundation of my life. So Mike Colossians uh, Three speaks about our mindset being fixed on heavenly things, on, on Jesus Christ. You know, it doesn't mean that we'll have all the answers. It doesn't mean that things are going to be easy. It doesn't mean that we understand stuff. But we know he's good. We absolutely know he's good. And we've experienced his grace and we will not let go. That's a great in, invitation for us tonight. Just don't let go of that. Even when we're struggling and battling uh, we're planted. This is where we've set our life. This is who we are. We're not just Christians for a couple of years and then we'll try something else. We're not going to backslide away deliberately. But this is where we are. This is where we're founded. We're planted. And we're planted and our roots are being sent out by the stream, out towards that stream. So there's a great picture of intentionality there. What is unseen, what is beneath the surface uh, is what's important here. It, in other words, it's not, it's not our outward image that God's speaking about here primarily in terms of the roots. It's what we are in private. It's not what we are in church, but it's what you are in private. It's, what, it's who you are and who I am in my heart. It's who we are in our character, the very roots of our lives and it's, it's therefore the question only you can ask and, and, and answer yourself in terms of your relationship as a Christian. Where do you look to, where do you go to in your own inner being for strength and for nourishment, for energy and for beauty in your Christian life? Where do you go when you're struggling with your faith? Where are your roots? What energizes you? What grips your inner thoughts? What is it that keeps you occupied? What, occupied? what is the priority of your life? That inner being, that what nobody sees. Is there an ongoing pointing and, and movement towards Jesus Christ in relationship, in prayer, and in fellowship with him? Sometimes we put the emphasis on getting to the top of the tree. To use a slightly different use of the image. Top of the tree in life, climbing up the tree. But, and the roots don't matter for us. You know, the profile, the image, what we're like on the outside. It's often what guides us, isn't it? But God says, I'm interested in your character. I'm interested in your heart. I'm not so concerned about the gifts. Well, I've given you them anyway, he says. And they're not yours to abuse. But I'm interested in your heart. 
I'm interested in changing, you know, it's what we're seeing this morning about the, the darkness there. The, I'm interested in the anger and the obsessions and the insecurities and the motives and the idols. And I want them to be, to be ripped out. And I, I want you to be uh, nourished by this living water without Jesus, recognizing that without me you can do nothing. Is that how, is, does that reflect our relationship with Jesus Christ? Uh, a strong root, intentionally, in our lives, however that looks like, that you're saying, I, I'm going to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I recognize my need of him on a daily basis. I need to pray to him. I need to ask for his grace. I'm dependent on the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, I can go through life ordinarily, but not in a way that is going to be honoring and blessing to God. And when that's the case, we recognize uh, that evergreen fruitfulness. That's a great picture, isn't it? That uh, doesn't fear when heat comes, its leaves are always green, has no worries in the year of doubt, and never fails to bear fruit. And so there's that great sense of what God is saying there is he's reminding us that uh, our Christian, the blessing and the usefulness and the health evergreen, the health of our life spiritually doesn't depend on outward circumstances being favorable. There may be a drought. It may be difficult. It may be dry. We may feel barren because of the circumstances, but we remain fruitful because our inner life comes from a relationship with the unchanging God. Now, by saying that, I'm not, I, I hope I don't, I'm not coming across as being trite or thinking uh, this is easy uh, or that circumstances and drought aren't almost killing us, but it's still reminding us of where our hope and our fruitfulness and our reality lies. When, in other, when trouble hits your life and when trouble hits my life, what does it expose about our roots? Do we immediately kind of blame God? Do we say, well, what on earth is going on? Do we understand the suffering that is ours and how God will use often this? Do we understand grace? Do we ask what he's doing with us in our lives to mold us more into uh, his character? Because he wants us, he does want us to be fruitful. And, and the interesting thing about our roots, which is the unseen private relationship we have with God. The the paradox about it is when our character and our life is rooted in our relationship with Jesus Christ, it doesn't make us insular or private or just individualistic Christians. Hey, I've just got this amazing relationship with Jesus on my own and my roots are really deep into him. It doesn't, it's much more outward looking. It makes us fruit bearing um, and uh, nourishing and the interesting thing about that picture is that a couple of things. The first thing is that uh, a tree that's fruit-bearing is the most selfless organism really in the world. It doesn't eat its own fruit. Its fruit are for the benefit of others. Um, and the fruit that it bears uh, is made up of 90% water. And so we find that great picture of being fruit-bearing Christians is that it means that we have an outward-looking emphasis that we want our lives and the fruit of our lives to benefit other people. Um, And 
is attractive and beautiful and nourishing. Our lives are nourishing for other people. We bear fruit for others. Uh, we, we look good and we smell great spiritually. <laughs> uh, I, I, when I, a long time ago, I, I went to Niagara. Uh, I went to Canada with my dad, with family. Actually, anyway, it was a long time ago. But we drove at one point down from some Toronto, I think it was, to, to Niagara Falls. And as we, we came near Niagara Falls, you came a little a little village called Niagara by the lake. And I can still, I can still smell the peach trees and, and the orange groves there. It seemed to be covered with them. And there was just a most remarkably beautiful smell. And uh, uh, there was something very attractive about that. And so... Our lives, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, is, it's not something, it's almost incidental when we're rooted in Christ. It's not something, we oh, I need to, how can I, you know, be more patient? It, it, there is that involved, but the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, very radical, but it's, it's almost an, an, a fruit of the Spirit that just happens when we're rooted in Him. And it means that we're nourishing for others. And uh, that's hugely significant. Uh, it's not just about our own lives. It's about how we live as Christians together and how we live as Christians in the world. Our lives should be uh, attractive in the, to the point of being fruit-bearing. Uh, when, the first time I preached this sermon... <coughs> um, uh, I was speaking to someone after a visitor actually in church and they came up to me and they said um, you know about the um, American redwoods and I'm very ignorant generally but on trees anyway and I said no not really I said they've got really shallow roots and I went oh okay and I, thought, oh, he's, I thought he was getting at me for using this illustration and that it was not really valid but he was saying yeah it's great he said they have shallow roots he said but you know how they don't because they're massive trees Huge, hundreds of feet high, but it's massive redwoods. If I drive up from Inverness to Liverpool, there's a couple of these great big red, massive trees. I said, but do you know how they don't fall down in a storm? I said, because there's big groves of them, and the roots all intertwine. And so the roots support one another, and in the storms, uh, the trees remain standing because all the roots from all the trees are intertwined and they support one another. And I thought that was a great other picture of the Christian life in terms of rooted in Christ but also being linked to one another that we're, we're saved into and we're, we're saved into orchard groves we're saved into to, to forests we're saved into community and into people I don't want to say any more other than just to close by <clears throat> by reminding ourselves of the, of the alternative to being rooted uh, and no one else can, can live this life for you and, or, or for me. Uh, it is that intentional sending uh, the, rea- the, the very core of our life towards Jesus all the time in prayer and in dependence and in, in learning from him and from his word. The alternative goes back to five and six. Cursed, uh, judged is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will like a bush in the wasteland. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. That's a picture of hell. In a salt land where no one lives. It's a 
Really horrible picture. No community there. No fruitfulness. No, nothing evergreen. Um, uh, and it's a picture really of the shrub in the desert. Uh, tumbleweed, <clears throat> I think we probably often call it. Um, and it's starved of life and, and of fruitfulness and of, of water. No living water. And the tumbleweed it doesn't have deep roots. And very often uh, the roots, they are shallow and they're, they're ind- individual. And they break off in the wind. And it's a really, it's a sharp and thorny bush. And uh, it's rootless and it just, the wind takes it and it just, you know, you picture a tumbleweed going across in the cowboy films and, uh, long ago. And, it, and as it drifts, it's really, it just goes where the wind takes it. And its seeds just throw everywhere else and, and replant its ugly, thorny, sharp seeds. And that can be a picture of our lives, is it not? That we're never static enough to, to, to found our life in Jesus Christ. We're always on the move. Never allow the light of Jesus to shine into our... Oh no, that's too awkward. That's too difficult. We move on, we move on. There's, there's, there's nothing rooted in our lives. We're, we're not open enough to the living God to allow him to reveal our true self to be accountable. So we're always drifting drifting in a vague kind of spiritual way, keeping, uh, not keeping short accounts with the living God, always running, no time to stop, no time to build and deepen and mature our relationship with God. It needs intentionality and it needs time. At best, God is a nodding acquaintance to us in our lives. And they're often in the heat of life. There's, there's nothing... Uh, in the storms of life, there's nothing for us, no inner spiritual resources, uh, but just our own human wisdom. And uh, we rage and we struggle and uh, we lose sight of who he is. So I think it's a great reminder to us and I think the communion is a great way to follow up on a chapter like that uh, because that's what the sacrament's all about, isn't it? It's, a, it's about taking us back to uh, our, our roots, <laughs> taking us back to uh, the cross and to Jesus Christ and to just have a few moments uh, where we remind ourselves where our priorities lie in and who, where do we intentionally find our nourishment and our blessing and our hope and uh, our f- from, from whom does our fruitfulness come. And so it's worth, uh, I hope, meditating on, on these few thoughts uh, as we sit at the Lord's table. Let's pray. Father God, we ask and pray that you would help us to understand you better. We thank you that you speak to us so often in pictures. We love pictures. They're easy and they're memorable. And we can go from here and we can all have a visual image in our minds of a tree, an evergreen, fruitful, beautiful tree that's planted by living water and also the ugliness of the alternative. And so help us to, even this evening, to recalibrate our lives and minds and hearts uh, to that relationship with you. When we are full of doubt, may we not run from you, but run to you. When we are struggling with circumstances uh, or with impossibilities, may they not overwhelm us, but may we turn to you and ask for your grace and help. When we need forgiveness, May we not just clam up and get ourselves into a deep mess, 
But may we come to you and ask for your grace and forgiveness to renew us and forgive us and uh, enable us to move forward. And Lord, help us to bear the fruit of, of the living God in our lives, the fruit of the Holy Spirit uh, and in all its beauty, in all its countercultural reality. And uh, we thank you that we are simply asked to turn to you. Uh, and we're not asked for any amazing and deep, insightful, uh, philosophical understanding of life. Simply, like children, uh, to trust in our Father. Um, even when we don't know why things are happening the way they are. So help us and help anyone this evening who may be particularly struggling to find hope and blessing and shalom and peace by turning to Jesus and intentionally allowing that relationship to flourish through prayer and dependence and trust and reliance on his truth and on his person. For Jesus' sake, amen. <clears throat> now, before communion, uh, we're going to sing uh, together the song Grace, which is a great song and great focus uh, for us to do before communion. <clears throat>